Hemlock Knots. Cracking the restoration's toughest subjects through rational, balanced analysis of source material. Today we're going to be doing a follow-up of an interview with Justin Griffin and filmmaker Steve Sorensen, who are responsible for doing Who Killed Joseph Smith documentary. And this time around, we're going to be doing a live question and answer with these two guys. And we're going to be doing it pretty uh, pretty fast. A couple minutes for each question. We've got probably 50 questions in the queue. But if you're watching this live or even on the replay, feel free to put your most important questions in the comments below, and we'll try to address those best we can. So it's been a few weeks since the premiere. A lot of people watched it. Thousands. Um, there's been some good and some bad feedback, right? Um, Mm -hmm. So we're going to get into a lot of these questions that the viewers have this time around. Right. Right. And so we've got a queue lined up and we're going to be bringing the questions on screen so you can see them. And we're just going to ask you and spend a minute or two and give us your best answers. Sounds Sounds great. Sounds real good. Let's bring up the first one. Great. First question is, why would the mob allow Willard Richards and John Taylor to survive given they were witnesses to the crime? I don't think that they would allow. <laughs> so that's fine. If that's the yeah, that's easy. The mob. I think if they were there to kill Joseph and Hiram, they would have wanted to kill everybody, all of the witnesses as well, for sure. Okay. Gotcha. Okay, so let's do the next one. So, do we want to talk about motivation tonight, sure. or do we want to wait for yeah, part two? Just dive into that? to what you guys think as far as the research you're exposed to. So I'd prefer to keep it to the film, keep it to the evidence in the film, because we're working on motivation, and that's a big part of what part two is going to be about. So let's keep it for for part two. Well, yeah, it's the motivation. It's going to be amazing. Fair enough. All right. So um, Dallin H. Oaks wrote a book about Carthage. Yes. Have you read it? Is the first question. And the second is, what do you think about the book? So I thought it was a fine book. I read it. It was definitely one of the first things that I went through to prepare for the film. And most of it is everything up and everything after Carthage, which is the same as most books on Carthage. And most of the historians, the way they talk about it is everything up to Carthage and everything after Carthage. But I was concerned with the two to three minutes in the jail and the evidence in the two to three minutes, what's happened and his book doesn't really go into that. So it didn't help me a ton. Okay. What is the, the focus then of, of his book? So again, what's it useful for, I think he's trying to explain the context and the background of why the mob would want to kill them. He talks a lot about the expositor and he was the one that first identified the law that said they were, they were within their legal bounds to destroy the expositor because it was causing a public nuisance. So I think he was the first one that really came out with that ideology. justification of all that, basically. Right. Very good. What's the next one? So this is from Laurie M. Were you excommunicated as a result of making this movie? I was. Was it a direct result? It was, it was. So, uh, it actually happened before the movie even came out. So it was a little bit uh, strange. And uh, they called my wife and I in and we talked and they asked about the movie. And I was like, have you seen the movie? And they were like, no. But they said, we heard that you're saying that Brigham Young killed Joseph Smith. And I said, you know, Brigham Young's not even mentioned in the movie. And they said, well, what is the movie about? And so I went through you know, I'm trying to explain these two to three minutes and figure out the theory because the eyewitness counts don't really work. And 
I present many different theories. There's seven different theories touched on. And then I say, and then I present my own theory. And I was honest. I said, I don't think you're going to like my theory because it goes against the narrative. And they said, why would you produce something that would make people question their faith in the church? And I was like, you know, that was, that was the difficult question. I wasn't really trying to, I wasn't thinking about anyone questioning anything. I was trying to get to the bottom of a mystery of yeah. a almost 200 year old cold case. Now that there's new evidence coming out and, you know, I don't tell people how to interpret that. I say, here's what I think happened and the repercussions of that is up to you. So, and you know, they said, this is a problem. And, uh, I said, all right, well, what is it going to take to stay, you know, to be a member, to remain a member of the church? And they said, we, they gave us a list of things. One of which is, is we couldn't show that movie. And I said, all right, give us a chance. We'll go home. We'll pray about it. Figure out if this is the right thing or not. And they said, no, you're done. They so, wouldn't even let you consider. Mm -mm. That's Were they not even going to give you time to pull the movie? <clears throat> I mean, that takes a couple hours, right? My feeling was the decision was already made. So. You know, it was a conversation. They gave us a chance to say what we were thinking, and they told us the charges that were against us. We talked it through, but in the end, it was, they said, you're done. Is there so. any inclination as to who would have told them about the movie, especially if it's coming from a false accusation, like yeah. they're blaming Brigham Young? I mean, that's something I've seen on Facebook from some people that are yeah. very ill-informed. You know, like the, uh, the the energy healing Facebook group, yeah. and that crowd, you know, they they were guessing what the movie was about, but they were horribly wrong. Do you think right. someone ratted you out? I do. I think that that's a possibility. Um, but it's not like I necessarily, uh, I mean, I understand why the church did what they did and you know, who was going to bring that if it was going to be them or if it was someone else, I understand that the part I didn't really like about them was when you get excommunicated, it's pretty, it's a harsh thing to go through certainly didn't enjoy that experience at all and we were trying to figure out how are we going to tell people i mean we've been members of the church our whole life our, everybody's into everything we're trying to tell figure it out and just didn't know what to say how to bring something like that up and then they went and broadcasted it to the whole world he has been excommunicated this is where he lives and I was wow. like, <laughs> that was brutal okay. that was brutal all right that was uncalled for i thought yeah so. it seems a little out of practice they went a little bit above and beyond right sure. again questioning and i don't agree with your conclusions all of that's fine and, hmm. but that part was where i was like all right that was a little steve has there been any repercussions in the community for you no <laughs> i uh, i would say just a lot of the typical rumors which like justin mentioned uh actually started clear back last summer like um, one person in particular, uh, I know has added me to a post with all sorts of falsehoods in it. And uh, I even reached out to that person and we had a discussion and a lot of the same things were addressed. Like, are you saying Brigham Young killed Joseph Smith? And I was like, no, actually the movie is more about this, this, and that we like Justin sticks to the forensics of everything and whatnot. But even after we had that conversation, that same person continued to go on and, and start these rumors and these lies. And it's been kind of, I mean, so in that way, yes, uh, we also, we got called and, and had a chat with the stake president as well. But uh, the first thing I asked was, he said, well, I have a problem with the movie. And I said, oh, oh, have you seen the movie? Because we can kind of go through it topic by topic and kind of discuss whatever you want. 
He said, no, I haven't seen it. And that was kind of the end of this the okay. discussion at that point. I, I tried to tell him about the movie a little bit, but he wasn't too interested. And he, he just wanted to kind of quickly move on and whatnot. But right. okay. so right. no repercussions in that realm, I, I guess you, you could say. I mean, th- there is a group of people that went as far as I've, I've got a brother in Missouri who they were trying to ruin working um relationships that he had because he was related to me really? and i was helping justin at that point i mean it did go to that extent but it doesn't fit the crime i, I don't i don't think nothing came up or, or i mean yeah. nothing really came yeah. about because of that so thank goodness right. all right well thanks for sharing those details um the next one's from cindy h and she asks what are your thoughts based on your conclusions about richards and taylor i feel the same she says about how they were not somehow killed by the mob before the other two, if there was free firing. Right. Okay. So according to the eyewitness accounts, the door was never even fully open and there was muskets being jammed through that door and firing off. Some people claim as many as 35 shots and Joseph fired his gun through the door. And when he was out of bullets, they were out. So that's when John Taylor decides maybe I have better chances of running through the window, which is strange because Willard and John said they were there to protect Joseph. Why was his first instinct to run to the window and escape, not stay there, you know, with Joseph? Cause he had that stick supposedly coming down the, the muskets. So when he takes off running and Hiram is already dead on the floor, Willard's in the corner and Joseph's ne- nobody's holding that door open. So why did the mob not just bust through and start shooting everybody if they were trying to kill john it would not have been hard he's perfectly in the line of sight from that door opening through the window and if you hit him in the leg and then he go he says he goes out of the window and he's coming back in the window and he supposedly is shot and the watch is on the floor it is easy he's a sitting duck right there right joseph's against the wall willard's yeah. back john's the only one you can see if they're all firing he would have been obliterated if they wanted him to the bed also that's right. right. So, so a lot of people think, well, you know, John didn't escape this. He had all of these wounds. And I'm, that's where I'm like, eh, those wounds aren't what you thought. Yeah. But sense. Willard, how on earth did he escape? Well, it depends on which, you know, of his testimonies that you read. In some, he was unscathed. And a lot of people quote this prophecy from Joseph that he would be unscathed. But then in another, you know, at, at the film, John read it. And he talks about he was outside the window. Bullets were whizzing all about him while he's looking at Joseph on the ground. Somehow they're not hitting one, but one nicks his ear and a drop of blood falls and mixes with the hits Joseph and mixes with the blood of the martyr. So what is it, Willard? What so is after it? he got shot in the head, he continued to watch his blood drip down, drip down and mix. Like yeah. Cover. Again, when all these Ducking bullets are flying and they should be bullets still in the back, according to the eyewitness testimony. Yeah. He has bullets coming from the door straight at him. It is a small room and a big target. Muskets are a horrible aim, yeah. but at that distance, and they all have bayonets on them. If you're like out of bullets, <laughs> just you run, run forward. and stab everybody. Right, yeah. Easy, easy. Yeah. Okay. okay. Hope that answers that question. Yeah, definitely. Um, Cindy H., uh, the same woman, also asks So, do you think it was planned or an opportunistic decision? <laughs> and I can ask each of you, you know. Yeah. So, Steve, take it. Oh, everything is planned in, in, in how my mind works. There, there's nothing that's act. Too many coincidences 
all happened at the same time. I mean, the, that that does speak a lot about uh, motivation and whatnot too, which is I get why everyone wants to go into that realm. But I think even that was the the genius behind how Justin wrote this film is that he focused on a couple of specific things like the angle of the shot. That if you really want to have a good discussion with someone who's not sure about, who has all these other questions, you really have to start with the angle and then work your way out from there. Because if you can't uh, find common ground there, there's no use in talking about motivation and all that. But, gotcha. but absolutely there was, you know, it was planned out. But, okay. Yeah. Anything to add? When she says plans, who? Willard and John, the mob. I mean, there's a couple hundred people here on the scene and they all had there's some idea. To question about Willard and John specifically. Yeah. So I don't think that Willard and John had planned the way it ended up but yeah they had an overall idea of what was going to happen here and then they had to adjust as things it was a fluid situation so they didn't plan exactly how this went down no but they were there to make sure that Joseph and Hiram were killed yes I think that question's even kind of difficult because there's a lot of those details about the mob that that we don't know there's a lot of details that if, if you don't know then it that point it becomes a presumption which kind of would take the movie into another realm of more emotional guessing rather than here are the forensics of it so okay right great so laurie asks the next question what if any role do you think brigham young may have had in the deaths of joseph and hiram part two part two Mm -hmm. okay Mm -hmm. we're analyzing that in full detail fair enough fair enough um, Marin McMichael is asking on YouTube, if it was an inside job, was there even a mob involved at all? Yes. I think there was a mob there. I have no reason to doubt that there was a mob there. I think the mob came. I think Joseph went out the window and they finished him off. So the mob got what they wanted, okay. which was Joseph and they got to get their shots into him. Makes sense. The wellness dad Dad is asking, tell us about the historical evidence of gunshots within the room. What's the history of repairs? Anything remain? Right. So that's a big question that a lot of people are asking. And we showed that picture from Piercy. There was an illustration from 1844. I think that that was in 1853 that he came through and toured the jail and made that illustration. It's the first thing in the credits that we see. And you can see the bullet holes in the wall. But the problem is they're on the wrong side. They're on the door side. Yeah. And so, you know, we didn't go into detail in the movie about that. Maybe we will in part two. But why are they on that side? Where would those those have come from? from? Supposedly from the eyewitness accounts, they were all coming through the door. They should have been on the other wall. So people say, well, they could have come through the window. But there's literally shots in that wall that are lower than the windowsill. So how is that? Unless you somehow can shoot a ball and lob it, then it makes no sense. There has to have been firing in the room towards that wall. Now, Joseph's attorney came after the fact, and it was his eyewitness account. He said there was he counted 35 bullet holes in the wall. But I've never found evidence of that corroborated. Uh, No one else has mentioned that. In fact, that's one of the things we should show online on Facebook is we took some items out and shot them, you know, with a, with a 
equivalent of the musket fire and it decimated it so i'm just like okay if you believe the eyewitness accounts that the door was never fully open and there was this small sliver that they were firing into 35 musket shots would have obliterated that portion of the room that would be exposed to those shots and that's that's not the case in fact sam talks about he told me about when they remodeled that room and took the plaster down they thought they were going to find balls behind it and they didn't and the plaster had the plaster had remained original, and I'm sure they would, if there was bolt holes, they probably would have plastered over it, right? Yeah. But then they removed that plaster, and there was not the damage behind that that they thought there was going to be. So, you know, there's other people that say, well, there's this group down in Texas that has analyzed it, and they can show where all the 35 shots are. Great. I want to see it. I yeah. want to see that evidence, and I want to adjust according to it. I'm waiting for it. But right now, the only thing people are going off of is this eyewitness account from his attorney. And I'm like, all right, I want to believe that eyewitness account, but I don't see the evidence of it. The only really hard evidence is that illustration, and that illustration shows them on the wrong side of the room. And Percy, in detailing the damage done, he probably picked the wall that had the most damage, I would imagine, if he's going to draw what it looks like afterwards, you know? Maybe, yeah. I don't don't know the answer to that. Yeah. So anyway, okay, let's do the next one. Moreno family. As this is a question from the Moreno family, as stated in the film, Joseph said there were members of the 12 who were conspiring against him. Do you believe it's plausible that the mobs worked in conjunction with the 12? It's it's possible. Sure. We, well, we know that the mobs worked with William Law, who was in the first presidency. So the answer is clearly yes. I mean, they, they, that, and that one's documented. That one's well known. Yeah. So. Yeah, I hate to dodge all the motivation questions, but again, that's all part two. That's part two. Okay. It's going to be great. Epic part two. All right. Dustin, thin out the motivation questions for us. (laughs) (laughs) Dustin, Brady is teeing them up. This is from Daniel Sharp. There's a record of the blood stain having a glass over it before it was renovated. Do we know how far from the door that was? Yes, that was more in the middle of the room from the people whose accounts I read that went to Carthage. So they put it under a rug and didn't really show it. But if you got the insider uh, view, they would remove the rug and see that blood stain with the glass over it. And it was towards the middle of the room, which is super interesting. Because where would that blood have come from? The person who bled the most in that room would have been Hiram. So why would that have been all all there instead of 10 feet back from the door that the eyewitnesses are saying? But I believe the church said it was too grotesque or something like that. So that blood stain was removed. And I don't even know if it was original. No one's done a DNA test on it or anything like that. It could have been, you know, because this Carthage became a place to come and see and maybe pay a few bucks to get in. So yeah. I could see where someone may have put that blood stain on the floor to make it look more interesting sure. to people that were visiting. But at the same time, I'm like, why'd they pick right there? It's very curious, the spot that they put that. But it's no longer there. If you go today, you won't be able to see even a remnant of that. Pretty close to where Willard Richards would have said in his account that he was standing? Willard or would have said Hiram is standing? Uh-huh. Ten feet back? No, he would have said two-thirds back straight two-thirds from the door. Back. And this was closer to the bed. Oh, I see. So it wasn't so, even in line with the door. Gotcha. Okay, good. What's the next one? This is from Lori. How many times has the film been watched since it was posted online for free? So, so far on Vimeo, there's about 5,000 views. And on YouTube, there's about 2,000. Okay. So whether those were full views or not, or if there were multiple people or if the same guy watched them, don't know. Don't know. (laughs) Okay. 
Sounds good. But you would think by the uh, reaction that it's like a hundred thousand people have seen. It. <laughs> wow. There's a lot of people talking Solid about Tribune it. articles and things, you know, <laughs> rolling out. Exactly. Emotionally charged articles. Um, traveling sub traveling transcribers is asking, is there evidence to presume King Follett was murdered too? Since around the same time Emma gave a scathing rebuke to polygamy. Follett was Joseph Smith's bodyguard and a constable of the law. I wouldn't know on that one. <laughs> Sounds like a good movie. <laughs> Part three. Take a hard pass. <laughs> yeah, if you let's need do to. it. Right. These yeah. are just coming don't, in. Don't know live, on that one. So we're not. Uh, don't get a chance to read them before we see them. The letter that was, this is by Lacey Hosking. The letter that was written to Emma on that day, was it in Joseph Smith's handwriting or was it in someone else's handwriting? Oh, from the jail? You know. I don't or know. Is that outside of I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. That's a great. That's the a the reenactments of the other ones show Joseph writing it. So hopefully they. And if somebody watching knows that. the answer, throw it in the comments, please. Yeah, That'd I don't be know that Okay, Ryan Stapleton has the next question. The film makes it seem like Joseph scattered the mob from the stairway with three shots. Is this what you were trying to convey? Are there any details about how this happened? This part confused me. Okay. Yes, that's a great question. So. The way that I look at this whole scenario is the mob came to grab Joseph and Hiram and take them to the public square and hang them. That's what mobs did. That was the tradition of the mobs at that time. Dan Jones, when he was out in town that day, overheard the mob talking about hanging Joseph and Hiram. So I think they got a bunch of guys together um, to let's go and grab these guys, whip them up in a frenzy. Yeah. They go up these stairs, they open the door. What do you know? Joseph's armed. Whoa, I didn't sign up for this. I thought we were going to come and grab him and hang him. And now he's shooting. What would you do? You, I don't know. Have you been to Carthage before? I mean, it's yes. a pretty narrow little doorway. Right. You are freaking out if someone's firing at you. I could see them all running back yeah. down the stairs, fumbling on each other. Probably. Yeah. And I don't think Joseph was just firing to fire to hurt people. I don't think that's his style, but I think he was defending himself in the mix that's why he got those three shots off and you know there's reports of three guys getting hit whether they were or not i don't know but that's that's the report so yeah. yes i believe it worked he scared them off when he started firing they're like we did yeah. not come for a gunfight and that wasn't the first time they were scared off that's right the night before the night before they were scared off simply by joseph yelling through the door which okay. tells me you see that interesting point they weren't fully ready to go through with this. They had been talked into it. And they thought it would be easier. Most they thought it would be easier. They thought, it. what were they going to get okay. for coming and grabbing him? I don't know. But yeah, it's an interesting detail. For sure. The wellness advocate is back and he's asking if he's killed by insiders and there's a mob outside, how do we account for the people who were outside going along with the story that the mob killed them when it was actually done on the inside? That's a great question. And the way that I would answer that is Joseph went out of the window and they shot him. They got what they wanted. So they do believe that they killed him. They don't have to know what happened on the inside. They think they killed him. Yeah. Secondly, there's multiple people. I mean, there's 200 people. You don't know how to coordinate it all. The guys on the inside of the room don't know what happened on the outside of the room. The guys on the outside don't know what happened on the inside. And then they all scattered. Who knows if they got right. together and correlated? All right, what happened? What did you see? I don't think that ever happened. Right. Okay, very good. 
Marin McMichael is asking, when is part two going to come out? That's a great question. Hopefully end of the year. Okay. But you reserve your right to, yeah. to change that, right? Yeah. Because I want it to be awesome. So sure. I'm not just trying to put a date on it. End you of the year right, 2030. So. <laughs> <laughs> that gives us plenty of room, right? <laughs> How about whenever it's ready? Right. <laughs> um, ben Nilsson is asking, will you address Taylor's hip injury? And is Joseph's gun could have caused that much damage? Yeah, that's a great question that I think that was the fair article that brought that up. So whoever wrote it conceded the shot to the hand couldn't have been a musket because we all agree it would have blown the hand off. The shot to the knee, leaving the ball in his knee, that couldn't have happened. But he's like, what about that hip shot? Because the hip shot, Taylor describes it as ripping the skin and splattering blood against the wall. And the hole was about as big as a fist. So I didn't address that one in the movie because I don't know. You know, there's no evidence of, of he doesn't talk so about Taylor the way that. Taylor said that. Yeah. So I haven't run any tests as far as shooting a sideways shot that doesn't hit the bone and just rips the skin off. My inclination is two things. First of all, I think it's possible to shoot with 30 caliber and rip a chunk of skin off. Yeah. And second of all, you know, if in fact Taylor, uh, if this was an inside job, I wouldn't put it past him to exaggerate that wound, if that makes sense. Yeah. So that's my that's yeah. my answer to that. Very good. Thanks. Okay. EJS is asking, I was wondering if after Joseph fired at the mob, if they ever even made it up the staircase at all, and maybe it was Willa Richards that shot the door. Yeah. Wouldn't that be interesting if the mob comes up? So... This has come up before as well. These are great questions, by the way. Where did the two gunshots in the door come from? Because I don't believe they struck anybody. I don't think that was the shot that was the kill shot on Hiram. So where did they come from? Did the mob come up and shoot? I could see him the shot above the doorknob, why they would make that shot, thinking this will help us to get into the room. But the second shot, why'd they make that second shot? I don't know. So... Is it possible that Willard made that later? I don't know. I mean, if the mob came up the stairs and Joseph knew, he may have gone right out, pointed the gun and said, get the heck out of here. Or maybe they came up and were ready for a scuffle and that's why he had to shoot a couple of guys. I don't know. I don't know that. But I do believe, so my approach to it was to try and incorporate as much of the evidence as I could. I put the, I left the shots into the door on purpose because they're part of the eyewitness accounts. I was trying to make those work as best as I could as well. And it's there. It's part of the Carthage now. But can I prove who actually shot those shots? No, I can't. I can't. Okay. All right. Ron Maihu is asking, do you think that their murders were motivated by a, the false claim of polygamy? So much history was changed by Brigham Young related to polygamy. Was this a power grab for the church? Is this motive again? That's such a great question. Motive, that is part Dustin, two. Yeah, I that think is though, part two. If you look at that no more motive. period in Nauvoo, though, it, things get a lot more crazy a lot faster than a lot of members realize. Uh-huh. I mean, there was a lot going on. Um, there was a basically it was a competition. I mean, a cutthroat competition between a bunch of different factions as far as who <clears throat> was going to take over the church. I, I don't think that. Or like that, we don't need to say like yes to that question to be like obviously it's a possibility. So, so yeah, who knows? I'm it's happy important. to go on record. Yeah, I think polygamy was part of it. 
It was a big part of it. It wasn't the only part of the motivation, but it was a big part of it. Sure. Okay. Moreno family's back. Um, your version of what may have happened in the martyrdom was so powerful. powerful. Was that part emotionally difficult to create? If not, what was the most challenging scene to film? That's a good question. Um, you know, and I was talking about that with someone earlier this day that they're like, <clears throat> their approach to the martyrdom is look, John Taylor and Willard Richards are good guys. I know that they're good guys. I know he went on to become a prophet. So I don't have to explain all the evidence because whatever happened with the evidence would be them being good guys. So they start with them saying that they're good guys and then they back into trying to explain the evidence. That's really what all of the other theories, the three main theories we covered. And I couldn't make the evidence fit by trying to make Willard and Taylor look like good guys. So I set that aside, said maybe they're good guys or maybe they weren't and just tried to make the evidence work in a theory that accounted for all of it. And at the end of the day, the only theory that worked to cover all the evidence pointed to them being involved. Gotcha. Okay. Patrick M would love to see journals or contemporary sources that showed doubt in the official narrative. It's a statement he's making, but are there any that you're aware of? Yeah. So that's, that's John. That's his expertise. He has a thousand documents, a thousand documents that show the inconsistencies and cast doubt on the official eyewitness accounts. And I think he's going to write a book or he's going to come out with that. But that was always his approach was the historical document point of view to where the approach of this particular documentary is the actual evidence, the physical evidence. Sure. Okay. That makes sense. Great. Uh, what's next? So Doctrinal Thoughts is asking, what do you think about the following quote, quote by Boyd K. Packer? And I'll read you the quote here. Boyd K. Packer says, quote, I have a hard time with historians because they idolize the truth. The truth is not uplifting. It destroys. Historians should tell only that part of the truth that is inspiring and uplifting. Is that a real quote? It is. I don't uh, care nice. much for that quote, that's but nice. I'm not even going to get in the fight on that on it. Because this movie's not about the historians. Sure. That's what people have to understand when the historians come out and say this, this, and that. The historians have no idea about the two or three minutes that we're talking about. They can talk all day long about everything leading up to Carthage and everything after Carthage. But the two to three minutes, their big rebuttals have been, that's stupid. There's no way. That's the historian's no, official quotes. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, you know what? This isn't for the historians to answer right away. They won't be able to. And Who I told him. solve this case then? So I'm like looking for, you know, you know, if historians want to be involved, then go take your time. Go take six to 12 months and run all of this and get scenarios, get experts, get forensic detective experts mm -hmm. to look at this and then piece that into your way of looking at history. And then I'll listen to you if that makes sense. Yeah. But so far, the historic rebuttals have been, you know, they haven't helped us get closer yeah. to the truth. Makes sense. And yeah. you said on your Facebook page, couple days ago i think right if somebody got shot today we wouldn't call a bunch of historians no you wouldn't call a historian exactly we call them who crime scene you'd call the crime scene yeah, investigators I mean, that's their, right that's right and everybody yeah. that doesn't want this theory to be true they're turning to the historians tell us something <laughs> please that right. can show that and the historians answers have been this is stupid it's ridiculous and i'm like okay 
I get that that's an initial reaction, but guys, take time. Six, 12 months, put the effort into it. You have way more resources than we did. Let's talk really about the evidence. Right. Anything to add, Steve? It would be interesting. Well, the word or the, the name tag of historian, usually that coincides with a group or an agenda. And, and that's where it gets like convoluted, I, I believe, because like that the church historians obviously have a job to make the church look good and like i'm uh, de depending on the church you, you know, well they're paid by the church right the official Correct. historians are yeah yeah so i think that's where it gets really kind of uh, if you if you have it with the difference between a historian and someone who, who's actually going, going for the truth you have to separate those right. those agendas for sure yeah part two is going to be where the historians will be important Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah. Talking about motive and talking about sure. the context of that time, that's going to be historians right. for sure. Sure. Okay. <clears throat> Steve, what was your biggest motivation to make this movie? Oh, and we might have you later. Justin. That's a good question. We, we talked a little bit about this before, but I mean, I've always started when I was on my mission, I listened to the Truman G Madsen tapes on Joseph Smith and Carthage, such a big part of that. Just, I mean, Everything about Joseph Smith, I've always loved and adored. We were, uh, my wife and my family and I, we were out there a couple summers ago, and just this strong impression that I needed to make a movie about Carthage, about Joseph Smith. Opportunity um, didn't come up for a year or two after. Um, you know, I, next thing I know, we were finishing up a project. Justin's over at my house, and he's like, I want to make a movie about Carthage. I'm like, I need to make him, he's like, I need to make a movie about Carthage. So that's really kind of the motivation, I guess, behind it is just, I, I love Joseph Smith. I believe he was a prophet, you know, and anything that had to do with Joseph Smith, obviously I'm going to be interested in. Uh, and then you add in the, uh, the bonus that it's a uh, historic conspiracy. I mean, that's, that's every filmmaker's dream, to be honest, you know, Pretty easy. <laughs> How much money have you guys made on this? Billions. <laughs> Is that a motivator? No. <laughs> so, <laughs> Sorry. That was we, my question. <laughs> we charged um, to come to the theater for the premiere, and we charged for the first night of the online, and that helped cover the cost of the <clears throat> venue. Outside of that, we haven't. There's, we're not taking any money. This was always meant to be free for people to watch. Mm -hmm. So who funded it? Um, I did. Yeah. And Steve did no. with his time and effort, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the money, yeah. Or my wife and I, okay. we, we self-funded it. Good to know. So punk philosopher is asking Joseph Smith. Didn't just go out the window and die on the ground below. He hung from the overhang from overhang for minutes and was never shot during this time to be continued. He fell on his shoulder he was dragged to the well and was shot execution style, looking calmly into the eyes of his killers. The fact that you didn't even mention this makes me extremely skeptical. How do you answer that? I'd need a follow-up question. Skeptical of what? Of what happened on inside of the room? I think he's asking why you didn't bring in this account where he was dragged to the well. So we've talked calmly. back and forth on that question and yeah. that account in by William Daniels. Um, yeah, in the last one, yeah. we went back and forth. And William Daniels, that is his account. And William Daniels' testimony has many interesting components to it. 
and I don't want to just kick it out, get it, it all out because I believe some of them, especially the more spectacular ones, which is the mob was going to cut Joseph's head off and a beam of light came down through the sky and protected him from that. That was William Daniel's account. And that account is what got his testimony kicked out of the court case. But I'm like, I'm, I'm willing to believe that the two to three minutes that he was hanging in the windowsill, how would that have looked? by his arms, by his feet, through the side. You know, I actually portrayed in the movie a little bit. I guess we didn't. We took it in the scenes. But you can see that Willard is the one that fully pushed him out. Right. If he's hanging there, how does he get out at that point? Right. He's limp. So I believe, yeah, that Joseph was shot, was in the window. He wasn't going out. And Willard finished the job. Wouldn't he have had to have climbed out feet first to hang from his hands? So that's my question is, how was he hanging? Was it? Just with his hands for two to three minutes. Who can hang there for two From to three toes, minutes? Maybe. That's not easy. Yeah. So, again, I didn't, I didn't um, include that in the moon, in movie for several reasons. First of all, it's non-germane to what went inside of the movie. Yeah. But second of all, I, I don't know if it's accurate or not. So I don't have any evidence of that. Okay, fair enough. I mean, even there's so many of those details before and after. You know that you almost, especially when making a film, you have to kind of just pieced together to finish the film where the, it's obvious the the points that Justin makes in the film about the angle of the shot, the, the, the ballistic tests and whatnot. That was really the focus where a lot of those other things that where he was able to make a conclusion, a really good, you know, um, put forth this theory, whereas all those other details are awesome and fascinating but really didn't get down to the crux of his argument. Yeah, th that's say. what I would okay. respond back to him is tell me why that's so important to you. Make your case. Maybe you're right. Maybe yeah. that was a huge thing that we should have okay. included. I would, I would want to know why he thinks that's so important. And that was punk philosopher, I think. So reach out to Justin and yeah. um, you know, let him know why. This is from Alan T. The single shot Hiram theory is correct in my view, but I believe it likely came from a pistol shot from partway down the stairwell. There's a second part to that. The angle is perfect and consistent with the entry and exit wounds to Hiram's head. I'm surprised this wasn't considered. So I think I've talked with him as well, and I've brought a visual aid. Oh, boy. <laughs> to show why I don't think that was the case. Okay. So first of all, to have been shot from the stairway, the door would have had to have been all the way opened. The eyewitnesses only ever said it was partially open, partially open from where he had him in the staircase looking up. You wouldn't have been able to see Hiram. And he's saying the door's fully open and Hiram is standing there. In what scenario is that the case where the door's fully open, Hiram's standing there and everyone else isn't just blasting? And if they were down on the stairs, it would have been facing like the fireplace. Right. Perhaps. Second of all, if everybody, if the mob was up there and the, you know, they had pushed the door open and then Hiram was standing there. Is he going to shoot in between all of his buddies to get that shot? Um, but third of all is the angle of that shot. So I've brought a skull to simulate this. And the picture of, of Hiram's skull have been an integral part of this investigation. The skull preserves the path of the bullet which is some kind of miracle. It is the path of that bullet in his skull that is telling us today what happened in that room. And what you have to understand, if you look at the death mask, is that hole to the side of Hiram's nose 
is not into the skull at all. It's only into the flesh of the nose, which is interesting because of Sam's theory. He's saying he got shot sideways. He was in order to make the shot through the window work, he would have had to been turned. So if he got shot in the nose sideways, how does he still have a nose? It would have penetrated the other side easily, but it didn't. There's only that shot in the skin. So where did it go? When you look at the skull, there's no damage to any of this area. There's no damage in the back of the nasal. The damage is downwards. And there's an interesting story that goes along with that. So Curtis Weber did the study on the skulls because when they dug the two skeletons up, one of them had the whole, this part of the face missing. And the other one had all of this preserved except for the maxilla. So they were like, well, Hiram was the one shot in the face. He has to be the skull with the face missing. And so Curtis did the whole study and ended up showing that, no, that is Joseph. They were correct. His face was missing, which you know, that question earlier is he fell out on his shoulder. Mm-hmm. Well, if his whole face is missing, the theory there is he fell out on his face. And that's what broke all those face of bones. And that's what fell apart and why they disintegrated in time. So that piece of evidence would go right against the falling on the shoulder theory. Okay. Anyway, so the other skull indeed was Hiram's. And after the movie came out, I was contacted by the guy who made the Carthage Conspiracy video, which was one of the big parts of my inspiration to, to make this movie. And he was like, the skeletons were never in question. They saw the leg bone on Joseph where the chunk of the bone was taken out from when he was a kid. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so Curtis did that whole study and he, all he had to do was look at the leg bone. It's like, they already all knew that. And so anyway, with that skull, the interesting thing, and by the way, their theory is different. They're saying that Hiram was turned around and he shot him in the back And then he fell to the ground and he came over and shot him in the head. And that's why there's not a bullet head out of the back is because the floor stopped it, but he changed it. And this guy's like, I think I agree with you because I saw the pictures in in the original pictures and the maxilla is what's missing. And he's like, it makes perfect sense that it's missing because that's that's what it shattered when it went through. The maxilla is this upper jawbone. Okay. So that shot went through the nose and exited out of the bottom of the chin. And none of their, there's no damage to the bottom jaw. So we have that. And so I put this down in here to show you the angle of what that shot would look like. Can you hold that up to this camera right here? Yes. Nice and high. But I have to show you on the table. Pull it closer to your body. Yeah. Right next to your face. Yes. You got that? Is that working? Hold it closer to you so it's less blurry. Yeah. Okay. So look at that angle. Now, if you can, you have to look at it sideways because if that shot came up from the stairwell, then his head would have had to have been like this. That's the angle from the stairwell. Is it possible to get that in that direction? In yoga classes, maybe. It's, it's impossible. <laughs> so that's why I'm like, that shot can't happen based on the damage to the skull and someone else said well their theory and by the way i love this theory i loved it when he he sent it to me and showed the angle through the stairway and i was like wow that's a great theory let me think that through and i asked him some questions back about it and in the end i'm settling on with this angle it would be impossible but i had another comment from a lady that said the mob pushed the door in and that made hiram fall back on the ground and then they shot him 
And that's what through his chin and came out of his nose. And I'm like, okay, look at the angle. He's on the ground like this. It would be impossible. Even if it had to have been a pistol, it couldn't have been a musket because that would have blown his head clean off. So someone was on the ground this high off and shot a perfect shot that didn't strike his body and hit him in the chin, but his head but would have to be position would have been the shot like this. Yeah, in so order. his head would be have to be looking up behind him, not right. just laying flat. So yeah, who falls backwards with their head back and not forward to protect the head? It could have been a quick, you know, flick back, but to get that far back, I don't even think that's possible. But if it was, it would have been a fraction of a second. And so in that amount of time, some guy would have got down on the ground to shoot a parallel to the floor shot to hit him. That doesn't make any sense. What makes sense is if they pushed him through the door and he fell on the ground, they would have shot downward. And if they're going to do that angle, his head would have had to have been like that. Right. Impossible. So let me not say impossible. It's probable. Everything's probable. There's a million things that are probable. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you have to go through all the scenarios and say, what is the most probable? And both of those scenarios, yeah, good job for coming up with that angle but at the end of the day uh, it's highly it improbable it doesn't yeah. yeah it doesn't really work gotcha thank you okay let's do the next one this is from curtis dykeman what do you think are the weakest points of your theory the weakest point for sure is that there is no historical record of john taylor and willard having guns i fit that in the evidence shows that it was an inside job and they were shot, but I don't have evidence that shows that they had guns. I have all sorts of people saying, why on earth wouldn't they have guns? Joseph and Hiram were prisoners. They were the ones being held. And clearly people could bring guns in and out, no problem, because they got them into Joseph and Hiram, no problem. People were walking in that jail without being checked. Why wouldn't John Taylor, who was a gun collector, have had a gun? They hear my, here I am trying to convince you that they had guns. But you're, there's no record of that, if that makes sense. Yeah. That's a weakness. Okay. Good. All right. Let's see. Dustin, the next one. Master Mahan says, sounds like a nice guy. Bullets can have their trajectory changed by hitting bone? Question mark. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Total possibility. All right. Next. Jared R. says, why didn't you include alternative scenarios in your movie besides the one that's most controversial due to your decided opposition to the church? I don't understand that question because I included six other possible alternatives. I don't think he's seen the movie. Oh, <laughs> well, I mean, then that makes sense. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you know what? There's somebody that took a clip of the movie and is just showing that actual reenactment, not showing any of the rest, and that's floating around. So I could see why they might think that oh, as they bad. only yeah. saw that clip. At least I'm like, are you kidding me? Of course yeah. I showed all the other possibilities. At least he wasn't saying something like, well, you're predicting that Brigham Young did it. Right. Like, you know, some people did. Right. All right. So Danny S. Quote, are there any other theories that had accounted for why the other shots had no visible signs of blood or why it may have taken the mob so long to shoot Hiram again. So the first half of that question, yeah, all the theory that the Lion brothers came up with is that the family washed his clothes and that's why there was no blood. They admitted in their own study that it is a weakness of theirs 
there should have been blood around that clothing. He wouldn't have had time to bleed out and he would have been standing when he got that second shot in his back. It would have bled. So their only way to address that is somehow the family washed it out. And I'm like, all of it, all of the shots to his legs and to the back, but they didn't wash the top part out, which was the main blood. Why would they have done that? But I mean, if you look at the clothes, you can see they got every ounce of the blood out. I don't know if you've ever had blood in clothes, but after 30 minutes, it's set. You're not getting it out. You can maybe reduce it a little bit, but there's going to be a remnant there and there is no remnant there. So that's why I'm like, no. And then when Gary Smith ran his report and he had his guys look at it, they were like, we don't, the washing theory doesn't work. So, and Gary Smith goes through the whole reason why the mob came up afterwards. So they had taken out Joseph below and then they came up to make sure that Hiram was dead. And I'm like, that's an interesting point because if you were making sure Hiram's dead again, why wouldn't you have taken out John Taylor and Willard Richards as well? So I just went with his theory because it's less out there to explain the lack of blood in the clothing, but there could be other, you know, things that explain that. Do you think those clothing could ever be tested given to the right experts? Well, I'm hoping that this movie gets them to test it. Yeah. So, and actually Sam said they're in consideration to do that. I can't wait. That'd be fantastic. That would be great. Yeah. So first of all, to test the blood on the on the shirt, because what if it's not Hiram's blood? Somebody have, put that on there later. Samples of the Smith brothers right now. Well, yeah, they had their hair locks. They sure. have them right yeah. there in the museum, so they could test it. What if it wasn't Hiram's blood? And they did DNA testing for his children. Right. And Joseph. I mean, so they have yeah. the ability to match. Yeah. Right. So that would be a very interesting study. And then you know they look with some sort of microscope around the holes in his clothing to see. Was there used to be a big stain here or not? But yeah, I mean, I can't wait. If they do that, I think that'd be great. Okay, okay. Let's see. I mean, they could be doing it right now because they don't even let the shirt. It's not in the museum. So gotcha. why is it not? I don't know. Maybe they're doing something with it. Everything's in the museum but the shirt? What? The shirt's not in the museum? Mm-mm. They Just only the have the vest and the pants. They don't have that shirt. Okay. Interesting. Do huh? you know where that is now? No, if it's in their possession it. somewhere, oh, but what they're doing with it, I don't know. Okay, thanks. Let's move on to um, the next question from Vena B. How come a mob member couldn't have broke in the room with a pistol and shot Hiram? Well, he could have, and that runs into you know, that scenario. There's many possibilities, and I'm not saying there's not. There's a hundred thousand million different possibilities of what could happen. So you can look at all the possibilities, and then you narrow it down to the most likely And then you narrow it down to this is the most probable. That's how any crime scene investigation goes. But what happens is a bunch of people throw out all of these random theories and they say, you couldn't be right because of this one detail. And what I try to remind them of is, okay, what you just did completely dismantled the eyewitness accounts then. So if a mob member broke into the room and shot Hiram under the chin like this, what was this story that Willard and John Taylor made up then? Because they, he's 10 feet back from the door, he gets shot through the door. I mean, that's not a detail that, oh, I messed that up. It was a mob member. That's right. It wasn't through the door. That would be a calculated reason. So I'm like, all of the people that are shooting holes in the inside job theory don't realize they are decimating the two eyewitness accounts. So the way that I approach this was both, both things. 
both looking at the evidence and making sure that a, that a theory works. And if you don't do that, you're going to end up in a big problem. So that's why I'm like, again, encouraging all of the uh, experts and the historians of the church, whoever's going to do this, go do it yourself. Don't just prove my theory is wrong. Prove what you think happened and then try and correlate that to the eyewitness accounts. And you'll see yourself. There's problems. You'll see yourself if you don't try and prove that their eyewitness accounts are true. And if you just try and prove how or come up with a theory that explains the evidence, you're going to be in the same situation I was. And then you're going to be like, oh, there's a big problem. Gotcha. Steve, am I talking over you? Did you have... We're going to tee this one up for Steve. No. Right. no. <laughs> this is from a gentleman named HS. You ready? What are you hoping to find out from further investigations by others? In other words, what are the remaining loose ends? Uh, I mean, where, where there's really even in just this one crime scene, there's probably about a million X factors that could be discovered. Um, even today, I noticed a, a comment on, on one of the group posts about a guy who said his great, great somebody actually led the charge to go kill Joseph Smith. So I hit him up immediately. I was like, that that's fascinating. Do you have any documentation? I thought it might be a lead because this whole time I thought, you know what, there's got to be some family around in that area where some, uh, you know, story has been passed down that hasn't been documented by someone from the mob or something like this. That would be just awesome to uncover turns out it was dead lead but (laughs) i mean really what it comes down to there there's there's really a thousand pieces of evidence that could come forth that would make this 10 times more interesting i mean we justin and i weren't uh someone contacted you about how possibly the panel of the door had been flipped tell tell us about that because that yeah so going along with what steve said we want to get closer and closer to the truth I think right now this theory stands head and shoulders above the other theories as far as this is most likely what happened. My confidence in this theory is 80%, 85%, but it's not 100%. So I would love to get to closer. I don't think you can ever get to 100%, but I'd love to get closer. And for that to happen, there's going to have to be people that send new evidence in or come up with new theories to explore, running new research. That's how we're going to continue. That's why I'm doing this question with use let the questions come up that yeah. make me think and think with me and let's run new scenarios i mean i love that because it'll get us closer to the truth but somebody reached out to us and was like hey the panel where the shot was was removed and stored in the jail forever and they finally put it back in and rumor on the street street is they put it upside down i was like oh that's, that's, that means instead of five degrees down it would have been five degrees up and I'm like, okay, with my theory, that doesn't mean anything because if Hiram was standing 10 feet back, it would have just went up right over his head. Up. But if you take the Lion Brothers theory and you take, you know, Gary Smith's theory, then he's standing at the door and you, they say this angle goes down like this. And they, in order to get the five degree down, he has to be tilted like this. So if it's five degrees up, now he has to be tilted like this. I'm like, it destroys the other guy's theories if that piece of evidence comes out and you couldn't do that with his back and his body in the way right you You couldn't do it anyway yes because that shot would have hit him somewhere else in his his body but the point is is that piece of evidence if it was proven that the panel was put in upside down now all of those guys have to redo their theories (laughs) so so does sam weston because he says that second shot 
Hiram had fallen to his knees when he got shot in the face. If it was five degrees up, it would have went way over his head. So, I mean, stuff like that is like, you know, some family has some piece of journal somewhere, some story they told, come forward with it. Yeah. We want all of that. It'll help us get closer to the truth. I think that's what a lot of people don't understand about Justin in this process, especially the ones who are emotionally charged critics uh, of the movie and whatnot, is that I can tell you like firsthand that Justin would be excited if something new came out, if there was some new forensic evidence that caused a shift. It's not something that he's afraid of. It's not something that he would try to hush up and silence and start name calling because he want he would want to shut down this evidence that might put a twist in his theory right. i mean that that's not the case here with this movie so yeah i have noticed that with someone's reaction it won't matter i mean i could prove with 99.999 percent certainty that it was an inside job and there'll be people like no that's stupid there's no way that didn't happen so for them, you know, there's nothing I can do. But uh, for many people that are like, all right, this is interesting. This is compelling. Let's keep to ask questions with them. I'm like, yeah, let's keep exploring it. Let's, if the church wants to run that study on his church, I'd be the first to say, fantastic. Let's look at the results of this, see what it means. Okay. So um, we're going to get back to live audience questions in just a minute, but I'm taking some non-live audience questions, mainly um, the recent rebuttal on Mormon book reviews mm-hmm. YouTube channel. Kimberly Watson Smith came on. Right. She had five main points for you that she thought were right. were uncredible for your for your. So the right. first one we may have talked about a little bit. She brought up critique number one: Carthage Jail completely renovated, except for the door. Yeah, I I don't have any. I've never seen any evidence of that on the inside. Yes, the floor and the walls and the ceiling, absolutely, but. Interesting because she constantly refers to the Lion Brothers report and the Lion Brothers say the only way we know that door with the two bullet holes in it is original is because it matches all the other interior doors. The exit door is the one that would have gotten replaced. How do you just replace that one door, not replace them? I mean, I don't know where she came up with that that door is the only thing that's original. You can still see it. There is no record anywhere of that building on the outside, that stone being replaced. Yeah. The window seal, absolutely, I would believe that. If the window seal got shot up or it just got old in time, everybody changes their windows in time. I would believe that. But I'm like, if they were missing shots going through the window, do you think they would have only missed one inch to hit the seal? Or do you think there should be damage in the stone around those windows? I think it, what makes the most sense is they would have been you know, hitting all of that stone and that stone wasn't replaced. It's original. Yeah. And, and, and even the missionaries in Nauvoo or, or Carthage are telling people that it's original stone. Are they? Yeah. Cool. I don't, yeah. I don't remember yeah. that detail, but yeah. cool. And that, that would be the ballistics experts too, who said that the entire wall would just be peppered. Right. I mean, the entire circumference, probably about like 10 feet in every direction would be peppered, especially if there yeah. was a hundred fifty of them out there firing away there is no account of the outside of the building being replaced none i don't know where she came up with that but if there is show it yes that's fine yeah she have evidence show it that's what this is all about right so um so she had critique kimberly watson smith's critique number two is she brought up the fact that there were two eyewitness accounts that you guys did not consider in your movie 
Joseph's lawyer stated 35 bullet holes in the room. That's the first one. Mm-hmm. The second one being um, testimony of the wife of the jailer. And I'm going to read that. So the next little quote pulled up is, is what she says. Now, this is Kimberly Watson Smith telling the story. So quoting Kimberly Watson Smith, baking a loaf of bread in the oven in the attack. And she placed her hand on the mantle and a bullet shot through the window and struck a comb in her hair. And she narrowly avoided being shot in the head. So I, if that eyewitness testimony is true, which if it is great, I'm like that all that does is prove how bad a shot the mob was. That's on the bottom floor. I mean, if they're trying to shoot Joseph and higher up there and hit, hit the window and her, then I'm like, all right. They're shooting a lady baking bread. Right. Instead of Joseph. Right. So there should have been, again, if they were that bad of shots, there should have been damage all over outside of that wall that, that would be visible today. Right. I've Wait, what was the first part of that? That was the Baker one. The uh, 35 bullet holes by Joseph's yeah, attorney. We, we talked about that. Yeah, we, um, we went there. yeah. If somebody shows evidence of that physical of that happening beyond that eyewitness account, because even the, all of the Nauvoo council came back a year later to finally, you know, cause they were out on bail for charges. And when they went and Brigham was with them this time, the court, um, held them off for some reason. So they went and visited Carthage and they all looked inside of it. That would have been the perfect opportunity for one of them to say something about the damage the inside of the walls. Nobody knows. So there's just no account. If there was, I'm willing to look at it. Show me. Show me that evidence. Yeah. There's a commonality with some of these accounts, these historic accounts, and that is like characters always try to tie themselves to a, a special historic event. Sure. Like for for example, I mean, I remember doing this with 9/11. I was I was here in Utah, you know, and whatnot. I there was an opportunity for me to go uh, work TNT building, which isn't actually that far from 9/11. And so, of course, for that next year, I was like, oh my gosh, I could have been right there, you know. Who knows what happened? I tied myself to that special historic event. Yeah. I mean, especially during that time. It, it was a very popular, something that they could tell their family and their friends, like, hey, I was a part of this somehow, and I almost lost my life too. You know, like, I, I don't know. This is the commonality with all those, these historic accounts. Sure. Willard's ear. I mean, it just doesn't stop with the storytelling. And, and that's right. that has no forensic credibility to it whatsoever with Justin's main points, by the way. Right. Like yeah, it doesn't if, address anything. If she sure. was shot on that lower floor, that wouldn't change anything. If there's 35 bullet holes in the walls, that would change a lot. So I would have to relook okay. at that. So yeah. yeah, I'm looking for that evidence. Good. So let's bring up number three from Kimberly Watson Smith and her in her critique recently on your movie. Um she says the wound in Hiram's face demonstrated being from a 69 caliber ball. Now, if Hiram, this is quote, if Hiram was shot by John Taylor's pistol in close quarter struggle. Why does his face then have a 69 caliber wound in it? Okay. So I loved that question because it helped prove the inside theory more, which not that I need her to prove it, but she's trying to disprove it and it ended up making it look even better. How so? First of all, the ball itself is not 69 caliber. The ball was a, closer to 64 caliber, 64 69 caliber barrel size, but the ball still had to fit inside of it. So it would have been miraculous. Somehow that ball would have ended up exactly 69 caliber or 69th of an inch. 
how would that even happen with a ball that was smaller than that? And she's like, well, trying to prove that a musket did that. And I'm like, okay, if a musket did that shot, it would have blown his head off. But here's the real kicker. Why is that hole bigger than the 30 caliber that I'm claiming you shot with? Because it was the exit wound. I don't know how she didn't think of that. I'm like, it went through the throat. The exit wound is always larger. I'm glad you think it's 69 caliber because that proves it was the exit wound. So right. I, that was I was a little angry, <laughs> but I was well, I was waiting to rebut that, and I'm like, yeah, oh, thank you for pointing that out. It was great. But, uh, <laughs> I warned you I was going to ask you about this. So um, her critique number four, um, Carthage case was not based on evidence, is what she's saying. Defense argued in that case that it was the law, that was law to kill Smith brothers because public opinion wanted them dead, and public democratic opinion was the law, or something to that effect. I'm paraphrasing her her argument, but uh, her critique number four, how do you handle that? I don't even understand it. I don't either. Should we move on? <laughs> All right. Does anyone five. else understand no. that? Maybe she could it. come on and clarify that. I for tried us. to transcribe it in a way that made sense. but um, right. Number five, testimony of Will, William Hamilton, the 17-year-old member of the Carthage Grays. Mm -hmm. Now I'm going to read her recital of the account. Some of it's his words, some of it's hers, but I'm going to talk about what was in the movie word for word ready mm -hmm. all right he actually came upon jail kind of as the mob were dispersing and he writes that um he was about 50 yards away he saw joseph smith come out of the window and fall out one of the men went to him and partially straightened his body out besides the well perp just at this time i got up amongst the men and heard him say he's dead when all the mob immediately had left i went to I went to where Smith was laying and found that he was dead without doubt. I then went up to the room where they had been quartered, where I found Hiram Smith lying upon the floor on his back, dead. No person was in the room or came while I was there. He was stretched out on the floor just as he had fallen after being shot. And again, that was William Hamilton, a 17-year-old member of the Carthage Grays. First-hand account. So what was the question? I don't remember. Um, what, how did that make there be a problem one way or another to the theory? So I think she's bringing it up that it was not included in your film. That you guys were sort of somehow okay. skirting it or hiding it. Okay, so... I mean, um, there's a lot not included in our film. First no, of Gary, all. <laughs> Gary Smith's theory uses that account to prove that the mob came afterwards to shoot. So I didn't, I didn't directly include that, but I did because I used Gary Smith's theory about the mob coming afterwards. So I can't remember the detail on that, but I can look that up and get her to it. But yeah, Gary Smith uses that to make his case. Sure. Okay. Do you think it's weird that um, this particular man, while all the, the mob was dispersing after a bunch of gunfire, people are dead, that he would run in and hang out there a little while and inspect everything? Like, wouldn't he be caught maybe the, the 17 year old yeah everybody ran but him he ran in and checked it out and right. hung out there for a little while right wait what's the question i don't know <laughs> I, I find it strange that somebody would do that after, i don't know yeah. <laughs> a mob goes in and kills somebody someone hangs around well he probably would have ran into john taylor kind of chilling there as well weren't they like, hiding in this jail cell yeah. or something so john yeah. was in the mm -hmm. back cell willard i think had already left willard spent all the time with the body okay with, with the bodies, interestingly. So, with the bodies. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, what was he doing? 
I guess it was figuring out his story. Okay. How am I going to make these wounds fit into a narrative? Yep. Okay, good. So we're going to move back to the live questions now. And this is from Icaramba. So can I interrupt you really quick? Sorry. I would just, because just with her rebuttal and and whatnot, um, usually when when you, because I I used to debate in high school and whatnot, the, the way to win an argument is to go after the keystone of the argument, the crux of it. Because if you can hit that and take it down, then, then you can claim victory. Like, I don't understand why she didn't go after the angle that Justin presented in the film. It, for her, for, for anyone else who, who has a problem with Justin's theory, you have to start with the angle and you have to explain that angle all these other little um, distraction as well. So-and-so said he ran up the stairs there. I mean, okay. Explain the angle. And it's, it's something that I learned that even like Joseph Smith, actually we'll use him as the example when people would come up to him and start harassing him about these, his Mormon doctrines or the book of Mormon and whatnot. A lot of times he would refer back to it and say, well, we can't really discuss that until we, we go to the very beginning and let's talk about the first scripture of the Bible, Genesis 1-1, and let's look at it in Hebrew and let's work our way from there. Right. Because in Hebrew, is it's a lot different from the English translation. For And people go look it up and see where Joseph Smith was getting at with that. So if you want to attack Justin and whatnot and this movie and the theory, I guess if you want to attack his theory, go after the crux of his theory and explain it. Right. That's exactly right. I don't mind people taking the little pot shots of one thing or another. And I think their motivation is if we can just show one thing's wrong, then you can throw the whole thing out. I'm like, whatever, if that's your goal, I can't help you. But my goal is to try and get closer to the truth. So I'll listen to your one little one-off pot shots, see if there's something there and see if I can incorporate it, see if I can make it better. But if they're going to get overly angry about it, then I'm like, I just say the same thing every time. What do you think happened then? Okay, great. You just said this part of my theory doesn't work and you're absolutely convinced. What do you think happened? And then it's, uh, uh, the line brothers. And I'm like, okay, because now I can do like 10 things to show you why that isn't the case. So I'm like, you know, but I don't hold it against anybody, especially the true seekers. Take your pot shots. It takes time. It takes time to think this stuff through. Go through all of it. I'll give you the best answers I can. Keep looking for your own answers as well. And then let's see you form a theory. That's why these guys, they did what Steve said. He's like, well, he shot him through the stairwell. And I'm like, all right. He's explaining the angle, which is important. So that's a guy who wasn't just trying to say, this is wrong. He was saying, here's what I think can happen. That's what I love. That's when people are doing that. Gotcha. I don't have the patience Justin has. Like, (laughs) Come after the crux of his theory, and then you can have a conversation and be taken seriously. If not, not keep on, you know, like dabbling and having your secondary profiles go and like your posts and whatnot. But like for anyone serious about this, go after the crux of his theory. Don't go after him. Don't go after his family. Don't come after me or my brother. Go after the angle and explain the angle. I remember in college, the first class I had, it was an argumentation class. It was debate, basically. Professor stood up. The first way to lose an argument, an F on your assignment, is to use an ad hominem attack. Right. Talk about the topic, not the person, and and you'll be fine. So that always stuck with me. Sorry, I didn't mean to. No, it was fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Keep going. 
So let's do a next uh, audience question. I Karumba says, isn't it rational to accept that we can't know exactly what happened? Question mark. What is the main thing that sets your theory apart from any other thousand possibilities that could have happened? So ask the first part, isn't it rational to, to accept think that, th- to that accept- we can't know exactly what happened? So yeah, we do accept that we don't know exactly what happened. Yeah. But my, <laughs> my answer to that is okay. Is that how you would approach every crime? If some crime was committed to someone in your family, we just accept, ah, we can never really know. The police and FBI get there like, ah, right. we can't know everything. What, why are we right. wasting our time? Right. Or would you want to look at every possible detail that you could to figure this out? And at the end of the day, every crime detective will tell you, usually there's one of the theories that is head and shoulders right. above, right? And then you take it to the court and you get a judgment on it. And that's really what we're doing with movies. We're taking it to the court of public opinion. And saying, here's the evidence. What do you think? Right? It's not because we're trying to reverse convict John Taylor and Willard Richards. We're trying to figure out who killed Joseph Smith. And the fact that it was them, okay. I didn't look at it like that. It was just what is the evidence saying? Mm-hmm. And here's what the evidence says. This is the most likely theory. And you're calling it a theory. Mm-hmm. You're not Absolutely. bashful about the idea that it is a theory. Mm-hmm. And it yeah. could be beat one day. Yeah. I've admitted a million times. No one was there. You can't ever and know the exactly. You both use was plausibility, a plausibility test, right. which is right. not factual, hard. I mean, it's plausible, likely plausible. to have happened. Is right. it possible? Yes. Right. You know. All right. Let's do the next one. Um, EJS says, "How was John Taylor not discovered for nine hours? Would you think?" Or he says, "You would think after that kind of scene, there would be someone that would go in and find him." Also, where was Willard Richards that entire time? Yeah, so Willard Richards was with the bodies. I think they had taken him over to the to the hotel. And he was, again, in my opinion, figuring out the story. Um, John Taylor. So, I mean, this all went down a little bit after five. <clears throat> the mob dispersed. Yeah, where was the jailer? Why wouldn't he have gone up and looked around and said, where's John? He's tending to his wife's broken hair. hair <laughs> hey, I don't know. Hair bow or whatever. But that's a great question. How was John not found? I haven't thought of that. That's a great question. What does that mean? I don't know. I'll think about that one for okay. sure. Very good. Patrick Morris says, Wendy Nelson in the Europe broadcast of two days ago called for a social media fast for 30 days. Very interesting. That's not a question, but I didn't know that. <laughs> Next. Fantastic. Next yeah. Good point. Fishwalker. Cool logo. We heard that the outside window was shot, but was later replaced. Is that true? I don't know if it was shot, but it makes sense to me that if the mob was shooting out of there, it would have been smashed. Was the window open or not? I don't know. If there was a gunfire battle in there, probably could have got shot but whether it was or not it would have been replaced in time mm-hmm. i mean now everyone in, now replaces their windows all the time i mean wooden frame windows get replaced every 10 12 i mean right. without yeah. being shot they just they weather right. they decay right so, so I, if i know what he's asking it's was there any damage in the window that you know adds into the story of the evidence and is i don't know i don't i don't know anything like oh, that very good anonymous question <clears throat> Were there any prophecies about Joseph Smith's death? How do those match up with your theory? So what did we talk about in 121? 
um, 121 seems to indicate it would be an inside job and it would be by people that knew them and it would be by people who had temple ordinances and priesthood. So that would match up with the inside theory. So 121, I think the piece you and I discussed several months ago was the idea that thou art not yet as Job. Right. Your friends stand by you. Yeah, you're in liberty. As him, meaning one day your friends might not stand by you. That's right. And and that chapter is talking about specifically those who would lead to your bondage and death. Right. And it says they'd be cut off from the priesthood as well as, you know, uh, ordinances in my house and a few things. Yep. It's a great question. 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 Any others that you're aware of as far as? Maybe the secret chamber, but. Okay. Part two. That, not that I know. Yeah, part two. <laughs> <laughs> Next. All right. So Spencer S. says, did Joseph utter a Freemason phrase right before he fell out the window? I'm fine either way if he did or didn't. Don't know. Yeah. That's what the eyewitnesses said. So right. whether that's true or not is not important to okay. the two to three minutes, if that makes sense. Yeah. We'll just keep yeah. moving. Now, it may be in motivation because if he was a Mason and he was trying to... Right. Get other me, you know, that's super important sure. to the motivation, but not to the evidence we're discussing. Okay, perfect. Next one up is why didn't the mob attack any other church leaders after Carthage? Excuse me. <laughs> what are some examples of the saints being harmed or threatened after the Carthage event? Right. I mean, when you grew so up you. as a member of the church, did you not feel like after the Carthage martyrdom that the saints were chased out? in the cold yeah. walking across the Mississippi and all that it doesn't seem to out. be the case. Yeah. It was a couple they, of years later. They, they hung out there for a while. Right. Right. And was where years, was all finished yeah. the years. temple or tried to yeah. at least where was all of the, yeah. Um, Are you any other, threatening any that. other assassinations, any other false imprisonments after that? Well, um, depends on if you're going to call their brother Samuel an assassination <laughs> a couple of weeks afterwards, sure. but yeah. You know, outside of that, I'm not really familiar with that. Okay. Gotcha. So up next we have, which one? We're looking for a a live audience question right now. Ron Maihu says, so if you are correct, that means that John Taylor is a murderer and became the third prophet of the church. Problematic, don't you think? Yes. It's a big problem. Very. I I look at this in in several aspects. Like this is an area where I personally don't like to dive in because, and and I've actually heard you talk about this before on your podcast, Mark, like even as, as LDS missionaries, we were taught that if you, you can link and chain things together. Like if you go and pray about the book of Mormon, if it's true, then that means Joseph Smith was a prophet which means this, which means that, which means this, which means that. I mean, and you can you can tie a lot into those speculations. Right. And that's why I think that's one of those things where if you're looking at this movie to uh, be uh, basically the end all truth about everything, you're already going in the wrong direction. I mean, when it comes down to you wondering whether someone's a prophet of God or not, you should probably ask the, one of the two persons within that question, which would be God. Like, uh, don't ask a movie. Take this information, yeah. use it, and and have it maybe guide your questioning. But the question of whether or not someone's a prophet really should be based on a conversation that happens prayerfully. 
not not because this movie said so or this person said otherwise or this this group says otherwise those those are wonderful questions and that is troublesome and there's really only one place you should take those questions questions like that to get an answer i've noticed a shift in the online sentiment and it's not even been out that long at first it was not watching this it's not worth my time then it was people watching and saying this is crazy this is ridiculous there's no way and now there's this new reaction which says it doesn't change anything and i'm like if john taylor's a murderer that doesn't change anything <laughs> and I, i'm sorry that i laughed because i know how solemn yeah it's a heavy this is but i'm like it doesn't change anything I think it changes something, but I, I guess I'm not going to interpret that for you. And again, there's people that are just like, if you're looking for validation of what you already believe, there's nothing that anyone can say that will change. That you'll say this doesn't change anything. So I've been watching people say that and I'm like, all right, well, in one way, it's like, I think they're seeing the evidence is pretty powerful evidence. So now they're dealing with the ramifications of it. What if this is, moved up to 99% surety. What are you going to do? How are you going to deal with that? That he was a murderer. And so they're already coming up with, how am I going to deal with this? It doesn't change anything. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to my eternal salvation. If I can ask you, if I may, has this affected your private relationship with God or whatever you believe at the core? The inside theory or just any of the project research? I mean, yeah, it's changed me big time. How so? Well, um, I mean, the reaction, I lost my membership. My wife and I lost our membership in the church. And we've been members of the church, and we've been loyal members of the church our whole lives. That's a big change. Um, I don't think anybody, you know, everybody dreams of being famous, but nobody dreams of being famous for the wrong reasons. When you see articles written about you that are just thrashing you, it's a big change in your life if you're not used to that kind of thing, right? So I have to figure that out and deal with that. And ask the question, was this worth it to put all this time and effort into this? Was it worth it? And I can still strongly say, yeah, I did the right thing. I did the right thing. Come what may, I did the right thing. Cool. Right now, I'm I'm banned on Facebook, but I still see a lot of the conversations going on. And to go along with what uh, Justin just said, I like to maybe clarify some things for people who are posting about Justin. And I, I read one today that said, you know, people like Justin do this to justify their apostasy and and whatnots. And uh, I just like to clarify clarify for people who don't actually know Justin, it's not like Justin made this movie because he wanted to uh, move to Hollywood and drink coffee. And, and go sin and, and live amongst the world and um, kind of go crazy with, but those are the accusations that are about Justin. And, and my observation of Justin and his family is that that that's completely false in, in every aspect of the way, because I, as I've interacted and became really good friends with Justin over the last year, He's, he takes his spirituality to another level, like 2.0. He, 
He's not justifying a sinful apostasy so he doesn't have to go to church anymore. I mean, I he's, he's an extremely prayerful person who's constantly like before we edit or before we, I mean, you were there when we were filming the, uh, the Carthage scene, um, Mark, when uh, we basically were very prayerful about everything. He's not doing this to justify some sort of apostasy. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. And, and I've worked on films and whatnot where the people who are working with were doing it to justify extremely immoral behavior after the fact because they wanted fame because they wanted i don't know um an excuse to get out of the house and whatever justin is not that person who's doing this to justify leaving the church like that that's the most ridiculous thing i've ever heard just to set that straight for people who don't know Justin and his family. They're some of the most wonderful people. I'd, sorry. Thanks. <laughs> maybe, okay, yeah. maybe I'll stop there. But... You know, yeah, what I, nice uh, uh, why'd I do it? Why'd I make this show? You know, it didn't start out as a movie. It sounded, it started out as a search to understand, you know, because I became aware of these alternate theories of what happened at Carthage. And I wanted to know for myself. And then it turned into you know, a documentary with Steve and I don't know how all of that happened, but here we are. And several times along the way when I could start seeing what was going to happen, you can see the evidence, you know, where it's pointing and you know, the repercussions I backed off. and was like, <laughs> this is going to be far reaching, but there's something deep inside of you. You call it whatever you want to call it that voice inside of you. There's something deep inside. I had to move forward and this film had to get made. And I, uh, some people think maybe I was a little obsessed. Maybe I was because I put so much time into this two or three minute history, but I had to make it. I had to make it. I couldn't back off from that. And now, like I said, I, like I already said, I'll deal with what comes from it because I know that I had to make this thing and see what happens. And I want the truth. Okay. Um, Fishwalker asks, is it true that Willard Richards was wearing a jacket, even though it was hot and humid? Could he have been concealing weapons? So that is a detail that came up afterwards. Um, yes. He was the only one wearing a jacket, his full outfit which you see in every reenactment including ours it was a hot muggy day if you've been in Nauvoo in the summer it is sweltering skinny dudes aren't wearing jackets <laughs> you're not I mean, end of june everyone had their coats off it would have been hot yeah. so why was he wearing that Fighting jacket is a good question and somebody said that well that's where he was hiding his guns and i was like oh it's an interesting theory yeah. it's a possibility absolutely right Okay, let's do the next one. Ray Dean Hill is asking, the Lions Brothers report claim, the Lions Brothers report claims questions about the coroner's report describing an entrance wound. Can you elaborate on that? By the way, great work on your theory. Wait, the Lions Brothers say, say that again? The Lions Brothers report claims questions about the coroner's report describing an entrance wound. Huh, what are the questions? I don't know. Say. I don't recall that. You know, I'm really going to look at briefly that. address the coroner's report. Yes. So I don't have the original <laughs> coroner's report. The first one that made me aware of that was Sam. 
he has that copy, but he didn't give me that copy. What I have is a letter that was written from the coroner and it was written after the fact. And that was put into a BYU study. And in there, it talks about that when the coroner came in, he saw that it was a wound under the chin that most likely broke the neck and he didn't mention the nose. So, or the, the exit wound coming through the nose. So yeah, between him and between Willard saying that the bullet entered the throat and between Sam, the third saying, I've seen the actual coroner's report and it describes that as the entry wound. That's where I'm like, between those three things, that's what gave me the idea that, because I always loved the one shot theory, but I couldn't make it work. And then suddenly I'm like, what if you move that around underneath? Now it works. Now it works. And you've got the main piece of evidence that corroborates that is Hiram's skull. And the fact that other people are saying that it's an entry wound as well is just another witness to it. So, and so the vest, that's right. The vest. So what do you, let's talk about the vest, the portion mm-hmm. cut out of the, of the vest. What do you think was on that? What was being cut out? So I thought it was just the blood was there and they were cutting it out to remove the blood. And I think that it talks about, you know, some people have postulated that they cut that out in order to get the vest off of Hiram, which maybe that's true. Maybe it's, maybe it's not. So I didn't think a whole lot other than it was just, that's where the blood was and they cut that all out to get it off and they didn't want it to be gross or whatever. But then of course in the movie, while we were shooting that scene and Dustin that was playing Hiram when he finally stands up and we saw the blood in that exact area and we were not planning on trying to prove anything. And then I was like, Oh my goodness, this was obviously a possibility. And then any other theories about what substance might be on that? I have. And then someone else came and said, they cut that section of the vest out because it was probably had gunpowder burns on it from that close uh, proximity shot under the throat. <laughs> I was like, that's the coolest thing ever. And I mentioned that at the premiere and I was like, we got to go analyze that. And so someone the next day went and took videos and showed it to me. And I'm like, ah, we need a microscope Rebecca or something. Cause yeah, I can't <laughs> tell from the video if there's any, you know, yeah. gumpowder residue or burn holes or anything around that or not, but it's a fascinating it theory. Test it. Yeah. Fascinating theory. For sure. Yeah. Okay, Jenny Meyer is asking the next question. Did Joseph Smith's wife, Emma, ever make any statement about what she thought happened? I, no. I would say her actions speak extremely loudly. I mean, Emma's, or, or you just have to at least, you could argue that she was, I mean, obviously the closest person to Joseph. Period. I mean, no one else outranks her as far as that that relationship look you that's a question for him long knots is there yeah, yeah. you guys are on trial here <laughs> Wait, i'm not right. a, i'm not aware of any particular I'm comment about carthage right. but i knew that several of the smiths i mean Catherine smith in your movie is right she talks about who she thinks might have been involved right I, I was shocked as a kid growing up in the lds church when i first learned that emma didn't come west like it was like extremely shocking to me. And then even I'll admit to this day, and I think it even came out when we were first talk, uh, talking about Carthage, I had this weird uh, programmed response that in some way or somehow Emma actually like 
disrespected Joseph in that way that she didn't come out come out with the church because that's how the, that's how the history is presented is that basically uh, so I had this almost resentment I guess you could say about Emma based on the church went west and she stayed there that she didn't come out right. with it and Brigham and did then, call her the, the most evil woman you know, you I know, seem I, to recall Lucy, Lucy Mack, the mom, saying something. Okay. About, oh, we can dig on that and see. But I don't, yeah, I don't recall anything. Yeah, I'd love to see anything. Let's figure it out. So if anybody knows um, of an Emma Smith statement about what happened at Carthage, you know, please let us know. Reach out. <clears throat> okay, next up. Fishwalker's asking, how credible is the story that Brigham was seen in town during the time frame of the murder? So the fellow that uh, reached out to me that had made that Carthage conspiracy video told me that he has a recording of a lady that died not too long ago. She was 90. Her parents were in Nauvoo and they were the ones that saw him that Brigham said, don't you better, if you know what's good for you, you better not mention that I was here. And she told that story for all these years and he recorded it. And he said, he'll send that recording to me outside of that. I don't know. I don't know. Um, sure. I've never considered that he was there. I thought he was in Boston. So That'd be interesting to see yeah, when yeah. we hear that. So. Sure. Okay. Up next, we have Martin <clears throat> McMichael asking, why did you want to stay members of the church? I'm guessing that's for you. So what, I mean, I would have loved to have the movie come out and the people to say, all right, there's something here. We need to look into it. And then say, church, you've got all these amazing resources. Let's go get to the bottom of this. And if we all agree that it was an inside job by John Taylor and Willard Richards, we need to deal with that. We need to right. make amends for that. Church needs to accept it, apologize for it, repent for it, whatever we have to do to move forward, to get in the right place. That's what I would have loved. And not the, no, you're done. We're burying this thing. Let's deal with it. Let's deal with the truth. Why would you want to hide? to hide from the truth. And I think, again, you, I'm not telling the church that they need to deal with every million off the wall theory that comes, but there is so much evidence here that it's like, this one's worth looking into and getting to the bottom of it. That's why I wanted to say in the church is to affect the church from the inside. Right. Yeah. And now I'm an outsider and how are they ever, Oh, that guy is an apostate. Yeah. Him, it's right? easy to dismiss and all of that. So I'm like, all right. You know, I mean, their fine. own historians are looking into it. It's just being done like very quietly, a lot on personal Slowly, time. Sure. <laughs> I mean, you you see the interactions between Justin and Sam in the movie, and, and it's a really cool, friendly interaction. Justin's just not saying yeah. that he would do that. He actually did do that in the process of the film. I, I whipped out my little camera and was, re, you know, right. obviously recording their conversations. It was a great conversation. I mean, Sam brought up all sorts of awesome yeah. historical things that I, I never heard before during those conversations. Yeah. If the church then, wants to get to the bottom of this, even if their motivation is only to rebut this film, they need to get Sam on board. Sam knows so much about this. He's done so much research on it. He was awesome. And yeah, I would have loved to have been on that team. Loved to have, but yeah, that cool. ship has sailed. Sure. <laughs> right. So Giovanna Questerate. Questerite said, such a good film. Me and my husband were so emotional with the reenactment. Someone willing to stand up and hold a banner of truth. Thank you, Justin. 
That was nice. Yeah. Thank you, Giovanna. Um, yeah, the first time, um, you know, we had filmed all of those scenes and Steve did all of the editing and he put it together. And I, I don't know if you remember the first time we were watching it together, but we were both just like, oh, it, seeing it all played out like that. It was super emotional. And then when we added, you know, the rest of the movie, you know, the first couple of times you watch it, it's pretty rough. Even though I knew everything about what was going on, it is so rough to watch it. And then we did a couple of pre-screenings and we showed it. And, you know, tears, tears. You'd hear the sobbing for Joseph and Hiram. And uh, that's real. That's a real emotion. That's a real reaction. That's how much people care about those guys, those two brothers. So... Yeah, I get it. It's emotional. It's emotional. Speaking of emotional, do you want to talk a little bit about the song that was used and why you chose that and what it is? Interestingly, there's been a lot of uh, reaction to that, which people people talk about the song. Yeah, they're saying the song, it's sacrilegious that we changed the words to it. So Jeffrey, who played John Taylor in the movie, fittingly sang that song because John Taylor was asked, you know, in every Carthage account to sing Poor Wayfaring Man of Grief. But we didn't sing just the normal songs. The first verse or two is the same, and then it switches. And there's a progression through that song that shows what I tried to portray is not that John Taylor and Willard Richards were murderers from birth. I tried to portray that they were torn by this decision. You know, they had to get talked into it. They didn't do the right thing, but I think that it was torn. They were torn. And that's what the song shows is that progression of John Taylor starting out. John Taylor loved Joseph Smith. I think he idolized him. And now here he was in a position where he had to take him out to get whatever it was that he was going for. That song shows that. So the people who have criticized the song, one criticism from a younger fellow I took, he was like, look, that song won't appeal to a younger crowd. Let me help you write something a little more up to date. I was like, all right, that's cool. But the older crowd criticism is just, it was sacrilege that you took that song and desecrated it. And I'm like, well, okay. I mean, if that's the thing that you want to land on, that you have a problem with this film, that's fine. But I thought the song was an important part of that scene. Okay, cool. All right, up next, we got just a few more winding down. So Sandra Hansen wants to know, do you have any firm information where Willard Richards went after he supposedly gathered up the guns and dragged John Taylor into the other room? I do, I do. Let me get that and I'll post it. I'll okay. post that on the Facebook group. Okay. There there are accounts the of Facebook that. page, yeah. On the Facebook page. Who killed That's Joseph right. Smith? Okay, look for mm-hmm. that in the coming days. Mm-hmm. Okay, awesome. Um, okay, what's next? So there's one, here's one by Deb W. Did any members have pertinent information about the trial or did John Taylor likely say this? I think she's referring to don't testify, right? Or did John, John Taylor likely say this to explain why they weren't going to cooperate themselves? Sounds like witness tampering. Yeah, I agree. But what, what was the question? She's asking if, um, if you know of 
any members of the church had pertinent information about the trial. Okay, so William Daniels, who wasn't a member but became a member later, was the star witness for the prosecutors and Eliza Graham. And for William Daniels, they just discounted his because it sounded too fantastical. The shaft of light coming down. Yeah, and so Eliza Graham was in the Warsaw house the night of after the martyrdom happened and a bunch of guys that were a part of that mob and in charge of it came in there and they were all bragging about being a part of it. And she was a member of the church and she remembered each person's name and position and mentally took notes of what they were saying. And so she testified in the trial against what John Taylor had told everyone to do. She's 19 year old and she's like, no, I'm testifying. This is Joseph, right? She's like the hero of this story from the church side, in my opinion. Anyway, her mom came in and completely discounted her whole testimony because she didn't want all of those guys who are her customers to get in trouble. Oh, so unfortunately her testimony didn't help towards the conviction, but uh, it was awesome that she was willing to stand against them and to go and testify and try and do what she could to help, you know, yeah, bring to justice sure. the killers of yeah. Joseph and Iram. Yeah. So one of the revelations that's now in DNC 123 talks about says that we should waste and wear out our lives, bringing to pass all the hidden things of darkness, wherein we know them, right? Mm -hmm. For they are truly manifest from God, something to that effect. Mm -hmm. So why do you suppose John Taylor wouldn't take that mandate seriously, given it was a commandment from God, essentially, in his own revelations? Wait, as regarding the Carthage or regarding anything in well, his the, life, the, you mean? I mean, the scriptures... And the revelations that were in the Doctrine and Covenants talked about that it's our obligation. We right. owe that to the rising generation to oh, testify of all these. I'm sure that he's like many church members who, when they don't follow the commandments, have a rationalization for why. Everybody does. I mean, have you ever sat in a, in a Sunday school class and talked about the word of wisdom and seen... 15 different responses from 15 different people. Everybody says, eh, here's yeah, why I do what I do. And here's how I interpret that. And here's right. why it's the Trump, right? That is not looking for the truth. That is not trying to live according to the truth. That's trying to live according to your motivation. It's exactly what I'm trying to get away from with this film. Let's get to the truth. Not what makes you comfortable. Not what makes your scenario work. Not what fits in your tradition. Not what justifies what you believe. What's the truth? It's outside of all of that. And you have to be disciplined to get to there. And that's what we tried to do. And again, I'm saying, I don't know if it's one, the way I portrayed it, I can say it's not 100% for sure. But it is closer than any other theory that is out there right now. If you dismiss it because of one of those other reasons, fine, fine. But if you want the truth, you've got to take this theory serious. Peter Brown wants to know, how is Sam and the other collaborators dealing with your theory. So the Lion brothers are passed away. Um, I haven't spoken with Sam. I don't know. I don't know how he's going to feel about the film it. Yet? I don't. No, I don't. And I'm looking forward to hearing that. And I hope that we can continue the dialogue because it's an ongoing thing for him to figure out what happened at Carthage. Gary Smith. Um, I saw him commenting. He's not a fan. <laughs> he was making okay. it known to everybody why his theory is correct because the people that are referring to the Lion Brothers series, like, here's why they can't work because of the blood. So he's still defending his theory, but he says the theory that I put out there, you know, is not correct. I haven't spoken with him personally, though. Okay. 
Daniel Sharp is asking, aside from the two witnesses in the room, do we know if anyone else stuck to their story and told it multiple times, like any of the mob members or outside witnesses? About the room or about all the goings on before and after? Is anybody consistent in their stories multiple times throughout their life? I don't know. I mean... The two two eyewitness accounts are all that we have for in the room. So that's what I've studied in depth. Outside of that, all of the what was going on on the outside, who knows? I don't know. That consult with the historians on. Gotcha. All right. HS is asking, how do you view the church now? Can, quote, the church, end quote, and your findings coexist in your own mind? That's a good question. Um, how do I view the church now? Well, I don't. I don't think that how they dealt with me is indicative of how this is the church's policy on that. I see it more as an individual um, experience. It could have been just certain local people with, you know, whatever they decided to do, but. <laughs> I don't know how they're going to react. I don't know if they've seen it yet, what they're going to say. That will say a lot. If they come in and say, hey, you know what? Let's get to the bottom of this and figure out this theory, then I'm going to have a lot of respect for them. If they're like, this is too crazy. Let's just go along with all the people that are saying it's ridiculous and I'll lose respect for that for sure. Um, Would you be willing to consult or collaborate with their mm -hmm. historians if they were interested? Absolutely. Like somebody kind of jokingly said, let's go dig up John Taylor's body and see if that what size of the bullet was in his leg. He said he kept it there the rest of his life. That's right. right. And I was like, I wonder if the church would ever do that. <laughs> oh, I'd love if they it's did. If you could do that in a way of not desecrating a grave, then I'd love to be on that team. Didn't they desecrate the Smith Brothers' graves though? Or was that somebody else? So that was the RLDS church and they didn't desecrate them. They were trying to move them. Their graves got moved multiple times because if you've been to Nauvoo and you see down where they were buried in the Nauvoo house, they were worried the Mississippi river would rise and, you know, cause a lot of problems. So they were moved. And in the end where they exist today, they wanted them in, in a good solid, you know, granite encased grave. So I don't consider that desecration at all. But with John Taylor, just to dig him up, to see that bullet, I don't know. I would always be up to the church. But if they decide they want to do that, I'd love to be on that team. If they wanted me any part to consult, I'd be happy to. Yeah. Absolutely. Gotcha. Um, Zevian O says, I know that it is very difficult to live with a sin on your conscience, let alone murder. Were there any signs from Richards or Taylor later in life that illustrated this? That's such a great question. And that's one of the first things I asked to the... Steve, did that's you have an answer question. to that? No. Oh. No, I just meant that's a great question. <laughs> I was talking to the forensic detective. And everyone that's watched any detective movie, you know, you can only... You can't have two witnesses. Because one of them's going to rat out the other eventually. Uh-huh. So how on earth did they live for 10 more years without one of them saying it was him or something like that. If, if it was an inside job and this forensic detective said, man, I've been through hundreds of crimes and I can tell you there's one crime where that would be the case where they could hold that in for that long. And I was like, what? And he goes, crimes that include religion. I was like, what? (laughs) And he was like, because when someone thinks that they're doing it for a higher order, 
then they'll go to their deathbed. Lying for the Lord, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Lying for the Lord, so to speak. Yeah, you can get people to do crazy things for their religion. So he, when I ran that past me, he's like, yeah, I don't have a problem with that at all, that they were able to keep that to their graves. So, I think, especially for that time period too, it was a lot more common to actually have, I, I don't know what you'd call it, but normal people who have killed people before. I mean, they had duels. They had, it isn't like it is now. Usually back then too, if you had a serious dispute you wanted to handle, you, you'd go and, and possibly kill someone over it. Right. And the the court system was, I don't know, a sham a lot of times. During this process, I read a lot of books about from that time period. And I was just shocked because it seemed right and left. And even people who are involved in Navu and afterwards, like, James String and whatnot, and hearing the stories of him and his followers after that, there's a lot of people who just got taken out by each other, by by what you would call like your standard, I don't know, everyday normal people. So when that question about could you live a normal life after killing someone, apparently it was semi-normal back then to be able to off somebody and feel justified and go on living your life, I guess. Yeah, I think that's a great um, part two examination. How did they when they walked around the streets and crossed each other, were they like, you know, winking or, I mean, it would be interesting to see if there was anything like that in the record or not. It's a great question. Oh, interesting. Okay. So let's uh, pick a few more questions here. So Lori Allen is asking, do all the gunshots in your theory line up with the holes in the wall from the illustration you showed at the end of your film? No, they don't. So that's a great question. Let's uh, review. Okay. So Joseph had a six shooter. And Hiram had a single shot. Joseph fired three times at the mob. So he had three shots left. Hiram had the single shot. And John Taylor had four shots. One big one in the thigh and then the three smaller ones. So it adds up perfectly. So where did those holes in the wall come from? I knew I had to account for those. So I show John Taylor with a six shooter and his first shot was in Hiram. That's one. Then his second shot was in Joseph. That's two. So he has four left. So I have um, Willard coming and grabbing his gun and firing into the wall and maybe possibly into Hiram's legs. So it doesn't equal exactly what's on the wall. And, you know, it'd be easy to say, well, then Willard had a couple of six shooters or maybe John Taylor had two six shooters. I don't know. Because, again, I don't know the exact guns that John Taylor and Willard Richards had. But the most interesting thing is the shots that Joseph and Hiram have equal exactly the number and the size of the wounds that John Taylor received. That's the point I wanted to make the strongest in that that part of the film. Okay. Fishwalker is asking, was there a blood stain or bullet hole on the ceiling? So in Piercy's drawing, that's the craziest thing ever is it doesn't show blood, but it shows a hole in the ceiling right above where this shot, if it came through his chin and exited his nose would be. Where in the room? Right in the middle of the room, right before the fireplace. You can look at it in the, in the, in the credits. You can see where. 10 feet back-ish? Uh-uh, it's not quite 10 feet back. But I don't have Hiram being 10 feet back in that scene when he gets shot anyway but right where he was that's another one of those things afterwards didn't know that afterwards saw that hole in the ceiling 
It was like, whoa, <laughs> that and the blood on the vest and then the blood on the shirt. So Rob, who plays Joseph Smith, had blood on his hand from his wound. And he goes over to check on his brother and grabs his shoulder to turn him over. And I was like, oh, no, he just got blood all over Hiram's shirt. And we're making the case that the blood was only from the wound up here. But there's nothing we can do about it. And maybe we were going to like, you know, take that in and take that out in editing afterwards. But then I went and looked closely at the shirt and whoa, blood right on the shoulder where Rob. So that's where I'm like, church, analyze those two bloods. If that's Joseph's blood from turning his brother over. I mean, that moves us up into high probability that the inside job. I mean, we're already high probability. That seals the deal, man. You're trying to break 90%, right? I'd love to. Yeah, that'd be great. Okay, Jaden Gossman says, question. Do you think Joseph suspected his assassins before they attacked? I do. I think that um, he believed that his friends would betray him. I mean, that's the quote from Catherine, right? Yeah, but in my estimation, he didn't know who, he didn't know how. So I believe that it, when it went down, and this is often people call this a character flaw in Joseph that he trusted people too much, he gave them the benefit of the doubt. He assumed that they were doing good, and I'm like, uh, maybe that's a character flaw, but it's a dang good one to have <laughs> to be believing in other people. Yeah to believe the best about people. And I just don't think he saw it coming that John and Willard would do this to him. I mean, Willard was his personal secretary, right? Right. So, yeah, I I mean, I put it in the movie when he comes in and sees his brother dead on the floor and that John had done it. He's just like, what? And he even then doesn't take the first shot. John shoots at him. And then he's like, all right, fine. Take care of you. But yeah, I think that that was, the last thing going through his mind before he passed is that his friends betrayed him. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that would suck. Okay, we're going to test a little bit of your firearms history knowledge. You ready? Great. Yes. We have two questions in a row from Master Mayhem. He's back. What type of... <laughs> sounds so interesting. All right. What type of six shooters were available in 1844? What do you mean? What type of six shooters? His question. I don't know. What type of six shooters? I guess, I'm guessing he thinks the revolving pistols Okay, were, were available in 1844. And then his other question, we'll just show it right now. He says the six shooter. Where to go? So he you said, can, it looks a lot like this, if that answers your question. Yeah. Except if you go to the museum, you can see the six shooter there. Okay. Supposedly there was the ring that was broken off of it. Some it's percussion. but... Um, it's not flintlock, but it looks about like this. If that's okay. the question. And he's also asking the six shooter was invented in 1847. No, wasn't no. the pepper box a pre six shooter type gun? Master um, Mayhem. That's the second question. No, in fact, I can post that on the Facebook um, page where I've actually studied what I think the gun was, and you and you can see it. It was it was before 1844. Like this one here says 1840 on it. Which is interesting, but yeah. Replica. And yeah, it's pretty done. it's pretty so clear that it was established a, that, that was available. Yeah, yeah it's pretty clear yeah. that it was there was six shooters available yeah. and that, that six shooter that Joseph had that was given to him by Cyrus Wheelock was actually owned by John Taylor. John sold it to Cyrus, which tells me John had a new one. 
And that's why I think I, I mentioned that in the film. That's why I think that John had at least a six shooter on him as well. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Thanks. Okay. You're any, welcome. Are there any more, Justin? <laughs> <laughs> that's about it. Okay, cool. Well, that wraps it up for the live Q and a, but yeah. thanks so much. Would you guys be willing to, in the coming weeks, take a look at some of the other questions? Yeah, they did make it to help help answer some of these, these people. Absolutely. Great. And so just a reminder, you guys, the film is available at who killed com. Go there. There's also a Facebook page. And can I wrap up? Something? And we're going to have final comments from Justin <laughs> in just a minute. But don't forget to check out the site there um, and see the movie for yourself. Make your own decisions. That's what this whole works about. Right. Figuring yes. it out for ourselves. Go ahead. A couple of things that I've learned since the film has come out and one of them that I think needs to be addressed is the people who say I watched this film and had this horribly sick feeling in my stomach. And that was the Holy ghost telling me not to watch it. And normally I would let that slide, but I'm like, you don't understand the Holy ghost. That horrible, sick feeling is, uh, it is not the Holy Ghost. It's a confirmation bias. When you have a deep belief that gets questioned, that's the same feeling that everyone feels. Even if two different people have two completely contradictory beliefs, when either of them gets questioned, they're going to feel that feeling. That's evidence. It's not from the Holy Ghost. Joseph taught what the feeling from the Holy Ghost is. And that feeling, it's a flow of intelligence, ideas, inspiration there is a feeling that's a part of it but don't let that initial reaction stop you from finishing the film and considering the film if it was indeed the holy ghost telling you not to watch it then yes follow that but i'm telling you don't just feel sick to your stomach and turn it off and call that the holy ghost because it's not my final words mark okay the Thanks first so time much. i saw indian food i was very hesitant to try it very scared sick to myself best thing ever <laughs> i get sick to my stomach in the line for the colossus at lagoon you know but i still go on it yes yeah and i'm glad i did so see that turned like super irreverent all of a sudden and i'm like so you want the last words again I, i'm sorry <laughs> i'm sorry Put another book out right. but anyway um Thanks again for all your time. There's been hundreds, thousands of hours again for sticking around and helping the community figure out some of these tough questions. You bet. Appreciate it. You bet. Thanks for listening. If you like this show, share it with your people. Join the conversation on Facebook, YouTube, or HemlockKnots.com where you'll find show notes and source material for these subjects and much more. 